Jesus, help us to know you in a deeper way today. Help us to understand what it means that you are the resurrection and the life. We praise in your name. Amen. I want to start off by trying to get us to do a little bit of thinking inside our own heads and to block out distractions in life and have some questions for you. The first question is this. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? And what's going on in your life? You know, quite often people may walk up to you and say, how are you? What do you say? Good, fine. Do you really mean it? I mean, sometimes life can be pretty tough. Feeling some worry, anxiety, stress, anger, fear. So struggles at work, struggles financially, struggles with, with health. Maybe somebody close to you has passed away. Trouble with addiction. The list can go on and on. The bottom line is, sometimes life can be challenging, it can be tough. Next question is this. Does this world really hold the answers before that? Actually, what is happening in your world right now? What's happening in this world in which we live? And if you think about what's happening around the world, I mean, we have these cell phones and these computers which almost instantaneously, instantaneously give us information that's going on. And sometimes that information is not really good. I don't know about you, but some of the leaders in some of those countries out there, they have a lot of power and they have weapons of mass destruction, kind of make me a bit nervous. There's groups out there that love to completely wipe out Christianity once and for all. Even in our own country, such a divided country right now in so many ways, even the politicians can't seem to come together to make decisions. They can't come to agreements. The more that our world seems to push away from God, the more things get messed up. And does this world have the answers you're looking for? Does money hold the answers? Does your stuff that you get, does that hold the answers? Working out? Entertainment? Does this world have the answers that we're looking for? And if we're honest, sometimes what happens is these things in the world, they may, it's kind of like a sugar buzz. Maybe it feels good for a little bit, but then it kind of fades away. It's like a roller coaster. The thing I want to talk about today is an event in history and somebody who has an answer for all these questions and challenges. His name is Jesus Christ. And what he accomplished on that first Easter makes all the difference in the world and eternity. Now, some people think that the world's more messed up now than it, it used to be, but I think the world's always been pretty messed up. That's the bottom line. Ever since sin came in the world, it's been pretty, pretty messed up. During the time of Jesus, that Roman Empire, that time, in a lot of ways, is similar to our world today. Didn't have the technology, but the same you know, challenges we face are challenges they faced. In one situation, Jesus went to a funeral of a friend of his named Lazarus. And Lazarus had died and was dead for four days. And Jesus went there, and he was very close to Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, and He shows up, and Mary and Martha go to Jesus and say, hey, if you'd been here earlier, Lazarus wouldn't have died. He'd still be alive. And Jesus started looking around. And he saw the people mourning, and he he felt compassion. And we have the, the shortest English verse in the Bible from John. Jesus wept. He wept. He felt their pain. He felt their sorrow, even though he was about to do something incredible. We read in John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus says something huge, profound here. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's a pretty powerful statement. And he chose right then to back up his words. He goes to this tomb where Lazarus had been in for four days. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And what happens? This guy who's been dead for four days comes walking out of that tomb. Can you imagine um, the looks in people's eyes when they saw that? Imagine you know, being at a funeral service and, and all of a sudden the person in the casket just gets up out of the casket. That probably really gets your attention. He turned that funeral into a celebration. He proved he had light, power over life and power over death. The thing is, he wasn't done at that point. You know, Lazarus, just going back to him for a second, he'd been dead for four days. Where was Lazarus for four days? He was in heaven, right? You know, Pastor Allen mentioned recently in one of his sermons that um, shortly after Lazarus came back to life, that um, they wanted to kill him. Some of the, the Jewish people wanted to kill him because it's a testimony of the power of Jesus. And my guess is, after having been in heaven for day, four days, Lazarus is thinking, I want to go back. I'm sure all the people are excited to see him, but I'm, I'm thinking he wanted to go back to heaven. But Jesus raised Lazarus, and that was a temporary resurrection. He had bigger plans yet, and so his journey next took him to Jerusalem. And the very first Palm Sunday, he's going down the streets of Jerusalem, and all these people are you know, saying their hosannas and praising him and waving their palm branches. And some are thinking, ah, he's going to make Jerusalem a great and powerful city and, and kick the Romans out. He's going to take care of all of our, our worldly problems and, and fulfill all our earthly needs. Some are thinking, oh, maybe he's going to, um, you know, restore, have, us, you know, have the chief priests and all the people that were the leaders of the church, maybe he's going to back their rituals and, and their laws and the way they did things. Maybe some are thinking, oh, he's going to do all kinds of miracles. We're going to have some great entertainment going on. When you think about it, the things they were desiring are very similar to the things that the world desires today. But Jesus came to bring way more than that. And the people didn't get it. These very people that were singing his praises and their hosannas a few short days later are crying out, crucify him. And they put him on a cross. And he dies a painful, agonizing death. And to make sure that he was dead, they put a spear in his side. And in John it says, out came water and blood, which even medically proves he was dead. Some people claim he wasn't dead. Well, folks, Jesus was dead on that cross. They took him down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. On Friday, and that very first Easter morning, first we see that you know, Mary didn't find him, and you know, Peter and John, they, they, they didn't find him right away, but then he appears to Mary, he appears to the disciples, he appears to over 500 people. Something happened on that Easter that's never happened before in eternal resurrection. Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Every other worldly religious leader who's died, they have a place where they're buried. Not Jesus, because he rose from the dead. And the question is, what's the big deal for us today? The point is this, if we believe in him, if we believe in this reality of Easter, we are going to live forever. We have life here, and we have life in heaven. 
There's nothing more incredible than that. That Jesus rose from the dead, and one day we will also. In Romans 10, 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That if you believe that Jesus lived, he died, he rose, guess what? You're going to live forever. And that's a fact. That's a reality. And there's nothing better than that in life. Nothing in this earth can compare to that. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe, you're saved. I want to share with you a verse from, or a section from 1 Corinthians 15. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And it goes on, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's that saying to us? At some point, this imperfect earthly body of mine is going to break down and it's going to no longer work. At that point, my soul is going to go to heaven because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And one day when Jesus returns... He's going to bring my soul back to be reunited with my remains will be turned into a perfect, heavenly, imperishable body. And I can't wait to experience that. That's going to be awesome. Okay? I've been trying all my life for a six-pack. Maybe someday I'm going to actually have that. Whatever. I'm not sure what the spiritual body is going to look like, but it's going to be perfect. And we're going to see sights and sounds and dimensions that we have never experienced before. It's going to be amazing. We're seeing the tip of the iceberg on this planet. Because of what Jesus has done for us, the best is yet to come. This is a reality. And I pray that we've embraced this. He is the resurrection. I'm not sure if anybody's seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge. But I saw it, and I was really just really amazed at this um, person that the movie was written about, a guy named Desmond Doss. And Desmond, um, he was a very strong believer. And he wanted to serve in the U.S. military during World War II, but he refused. He did not want to carry a weapon. His whole thing was, I don't want to take life. I want to give life. And the people in his unit um, gave him a hard time. He was going to be a medic, but he was, medics were supposed to carry weapons. And they ridiculed him, gave him a rough time, even tried to court-martial him, but he stuck with it. He stayed with the unit, and they went to Okinawa. And there they got in a battle on this place called Hacksaw Ridge. And during this battle, the, the um, Japanese did a bonsai attack on them, and, and many of the people in his unit were killed or injured. The rest of them fled off the ridge. But Desmond Doss stayed on the ridge. There's a picture I want you to see. When I, in the movie, when I saw this, this part of it, he runs back into the fray of the battle. Why? Because he wanted to rescue people. He wanted to save lives. And what he did was he found 75 individuals that were injured, 75 of his fellow soldiers, and he lowered them one by one down the ridge. And every time he saved one, he started praying, Lord, help me find another. Help me save another. As I watched that movie, I was thinking about what Jesus has done for us. And you know, Desmond Doss was the only person to go in history that got the Congressional Medal of Honor without carrying a weapon. But you know, Jesus 
He did that for us in a different way. He came in the fray of this world, our enemies, sin, Satan, death, and hell. We had no ability to defeat those enemies ourselves, and Jesus came in, and he rescued us. And we're here today. And if you believe that Jesus rose, you've received that gift. You've received salvation. You've received eternal life. He's rescued you, and there is no greater truth, in fact, than that. He is a resurrection. But what's really interesting when you think about who he is, it says, he says, I'm the resurrection and the what? What's the next part? Life. I've got to be honest with you. Growing up for most of my life, I thought, okay, the fun begins in heaven. The more I read scripture, what I see is that Jesus wants the fun to be here too. The right kind of fun, that is. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I want you to be with me forever, but I want to be with you even now. I want you to have a great life now, and the key is to be connected more deeply with me, the source of that resurrection and life. And it says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Catch that? Jesus came to give you life to the what? Full. A full and amazing life now. And he's a source to be tapped in to receive that incredible life now. In John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's the source, folks. And the key is to be tied into him in, in lives of worship and in Bible study and in service and prayer and, and to realize he's with us all the time. He wants to dwell in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I recently read an article about Christian trends in North America. This article said that 20% of North Americans, um, they believe strongly in Christianity, they practice their faith regularly, they, they worship, pray, they're in the word, they're fully committed to their faith. About 30% claim they're Christian, but they're not really affiliated, they just kind of do their own thing, just kind of, kind of find, trying to find their own path out there. 30% are uncertain about what they believe. They're kind of seeking. They're not really sure if Jesus is a savior or not. And then there's 20% who are atheist and agnostic. And my question is, where are you in this continuum? Where are you? And I have a belief, and this is a belief. The closer you grow to Jesus and your commitment to him, the more you're going to experience an amazing life now. And the more you're going to realize how incredible the future is truly going to be. I want to close my sermon with a story, and some of you may have heard the story before. I've, I've just recently read it, and just it really just captivated me. And it's a story about a boy named Jeremy, and Jeremy was um, born with a very rare genetic disease, and because of this disease, he was not going to live a long time. Okay, he wasn't he wasn't supposed to live even twelve years of age, which is where I'm going to pick up the story at. Because of his disease, his mind did not work properly. He had, um, you know, mental damage. He had physical damage. At the age of 12, he was still in second grade. His folks wanted him to have as normal an upbringing as possible. They wanted him to be in a regular school, a Christian school. But he was 12 years old. He was in second grade. Five years older than all the other kids in the classroom. The other kids were cognitively more advanced than he and sometimes in class, he would make noises, and, um, and the teacher sometimes got frustrated. The kids sometimes, they would make fun of him, put him down. And one day, the teacher, Miss Miller, called a conference 
with, the, with Jeremy's parents and said, she said, you know, I don't think the school is the right place for Jeremy. And the mother began to cry and said, you know, we really want him to have just as normal of a life as possible, and this is the best school for him. Please, please don't give up on him. And Miss Miller just said, okay, I'll, I'll keep trying. Easter was approaching, and she gave an assignment to the class. And she had each kid take a plastic Easter egg, and they would take it home and to put something inside the egg that represented new life. And that night she started thinking, I wonder if Jeremy's going to figure this assignment out. I hope he doesn't mess it up. And the next morning, there was 19 plastic Easter eggs, the same number as kids in the class. And she took the first one out, opened it up, and there was like a flower inside. And, and Miss Miller goes, oh, that's definitely new life. Whose egg is this? And the kid raises his hand and goes, good job. And the next one is a plastic butterfly. And Miss Miller says, ah, obviously new life. Whose is this? And the kid raises his hand. And the next one, Moss. She goes, great job, new life, definitely. The fourth egg she opens up, it's empty. And she's thinking, this must be Jeremy's. He didn't get, he didn't understand the assignment. And she tries to slip it to the side without anybody noticing, but Jeremy saw her do that. And Jeremy says, Miss Miller, aren't you going to talk about my egg? And she goes, there's nothing in it. Well, Jeremy says, well, Jesus rose from the dead. And the tomb is empty. Silence. And she goes, that is really a great job, Jeremy. Then the bell rang. And the kids left. And she was in the room by herself. And she began to cry. She began to realize that Jeremy just reminded her what really is the most important thing in life of all. And she also realized that Jeremy, in the midst of all his challenges and struggles, he knew the most important thing and believe the most important thing that there is to believe. And she, at that point, really bonded to Jeremy. And the rest of that year was a great year between, you know, Jeremy and, and Miss Miller, and the kids were much, you know, better at, at you know, kind of including Jeremy in their, um, the rest of that school year. And then the summer hit, and his disease returned with a vengeance, and he passed away. At the funeral, there were 19 plastic Easter eggs on top of this casket. And all of them were empty. You know, life can be challenging. It can be tough. But Easter gives us the answer for everything. And I'm not sure sometimes if we're like Miss Miller, we get a little bit sidetracked. And I believe that what God is calling for us to do right now is to recenter our lives on what really matters the most. And that's a relationship with a God who loves us, who sent us a Savior in Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose for us. And I have a question for each one of us as we leave here and think, I want you to think about this today and the days to come. What are your next steps going to be in response to this, in response to what Jesus has done for us? And I pray that we journey a lot closer to him because he is the resurrection, and he is the life. And if this is what we want, we need to be tied into him deeply, and he wants us to be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you, and sometimes we admit that we get distracted. 
we try to find our answers in the world and we sometimes have these highs and lows and find our life all over the place, but you are the solid rock, Lord Jesus, and you give us a foundation to stand on which cannot be shaken. Because of your life, death, and resurrection, the way to heaven is open for us through your death. Our sins are forgiven through your resurrection. We know we're going to live forever. Lord, help us to live our lives accordingly as we journey through this planet, realizing the best is yet to come because of what you have done for us, because you are the resurrection and the life. And we thank you for that. Amen.